welcome to the Giallo of the Month Club. My name is Diana Koch, and I will be your host of this monthly podcast. I wanted to do a quick introduction before the release of the first episode. This podcast is long overdue. For years, I have guest hosted on other podcasts, but never had an outlet to call my own. On a personal note, I am a huge movie fan. I watch a lot of movies. I go to film festivals. I am obsessed with Letterboxd, and I am constantly tweeting about movies. I'm no expert, but I started watching horror movies at a wildly inappropriate young age. As I got older, my love of slasher films introduced me to European horror and the world of giallo. I quickly became a fan of Italian film director Dario Argento, but for full transparency, I haven't explored much of the subgenre. Many of the films I will discuss are first watches for me. For those of you who need a refresher, giallo in horror movies typically means a slasher or crime horror, a lot of mystery and extremes, sometimes sleazy and over the top with highly stylized visuals. My intentions with this podcast are to fill the void in my giallo catalog while giving a different perspective from a female point of view. I plan to dissect underlying themes, the history behind the film, and hopefully supply a few recommendations along the way. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Jollo Club. A huge thank you to Matt G for the fabulous logo design. You can find Matt's art on Instagram at Vegan Patches and on Etsy at Retirement Bunt. The theme music is by musician Dream Division. You can find the song Don't Look Into the Eyes of a Dead Man at dreamdivision.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the Giallo of the Month Club. Hello, and welcome to the Giallo of the Month Club. This is Diana. I will be your host. Today we are talking about a movie that I have seen many times. It's Dario Argento's Tenebrae. This is a movie that is top tier Argento for me and I am really excited to be discussing this as the first movie on the podcast. This film includes themes of voyeurism, doubles, and reflections and I hope that you enjoy what I have to say on the topic. Today I'm joined with a very special guest. He is a producer and editor at Mint Kaddish Productions. He's the host of Mint Kaddish Podcast. And he is a musician and filmmaker. Please welcome Wade Brown. Ooh, ah, uh, that uh, that intro gave me a little goosebumps. I, know, I never had like anyone introduce me to something. You're this so is... accomplished. I had to keep it really short too. <sighs> this is like the first podcast I ever guest on. That's not something. Well, I kind of had something to do with this. I kind of helped out on this. You I did, yeah. So the name of the podcast, Jallo of the Month Club, is a play on Jelly of the Month Club from Christmas Vacation. Yes. And one one day... One of the smallest jokes in that whole movie, we talk about that. And I was like, that's that's a a gift that gives all year round, Clark. One day we were just talking about Italian cinema and you mentioned this pun and it stuck with me. So you let me use it and here you are. To quote Wayne's World, I opened my mouth and out it came. A pun that we're never going to use because you just like no sell every time I say it. Shallow shots. Out of my system. We can move on. There will also be spoilers in pretty much every episode. I'm sorry. This is a, a movie from the 80s. Yes. So spoiler warning has been kind of like gone. Yeah. Mm. Also, I think it would be great if you watch the film and then you hear what we have to say about it. And then we can discuss it online. So if you've never seen it, you yes. should go watch it. Pretty easy to get. It's yep. on, I believe it's on Amazon Prime. You can rent it on Amazon Video. It's, it's on just, Amazon it's not, Video. It's not one of the free ones, I believe, but you can rent it no matter. You can go watch it and then come back and watch this in the episode. So the film Dario Argento's Tenebrae, also known as Unsane, which Ew. is a terrible title. Ew. Although the recent movie Unsane, I thought that was a good title for that movie. That was the um, um, Soderbergh, right? Yes, yes the one that filmed was a on, weird the, one. on the iPhone. I like that one actually. Yeah. This one's pretty easy to find. It's one of the more popular Jalo films, so that's why I wanted to make it the first episode. It's also one that I have seen many times. Following episodes will be movies that I have not seen. I'm going to try to do first watch films mm-hmm. just because there are a lot of films in yes. this genre it was between this and deep red and, and your poll on twitter yeah um yeah uh, tenebrae one. i had my twitter friends vote on which which film in between deep red and tenebrae and this one won. say deep red for an anniversary episode 
I'm also seeing Deep Red in October with mm-hmm. Goblin, so mm-hmm. I think that may be the October episode or bonus episode. Yes. All right, great. Well, thank you for being here. We are going to discuss this film. Like Wade said, it's from 1982. The opening, it opens with the leather glove clad person sitting next to a fireplace. And it opens with the quote, the impulse had become irresistible. Yes. Which I think is really cool for this movie because it is, it's a killer. It's about impulses. But I did want to note that Dario Argento always plays the leather glove killer in all of his movies. Because he's a weirdo. I love him. He's a weirdo. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So I thought that was really cool. It's a great at first shot because it kind of tells you everything about the movie. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a book. It's a contained book and it's thrown to fire and it's just growing and it's going and it's uncontrollable chaos. And it's a nice little way to start it to kind of sum up the movie. Yeah, exactly. Christopher Walken was actually talks to be in this movie as the Peter Neal character, but he's kind of known for being like off kilter and kind of crazy. So it'd be a little obvious that he was the killer. I can't imagine his his accent. No, no. Just like, wow, wow, tenebrae. Um, And the story itself was based on something that happened to Argento in real life. He had a stalker. So... There is a sort of stalker character, and he used inspiration to address his own public image. A lot of people used to say that his films were misogynistic and that he himself was a criminal or a murderer. So he tried to address all of these aspects into this film, and it's very meta, which I love. Reminds me a lot of Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, it's very different, too, because he's, you know, he went to Dead Deep Red, of course, and then he did Suspiria and Inferno yeah, after the three that. Mothers. And they did those two. So those two movies, Suspiria and Inferno, are crazy, right? They're just insane. And in this one, it's like a very kind of a departure. It kind of, kind of, kind of goes back to his roots with Deep Red a little bit. But I think Deep Red's a li- I think it's a little more grounded than Deep Red. I feel the same way, especially the cinematography is really similar to Deep Red. I do feel like these are very similar. Yeah, and also, uh, comparing Deep Red and this, Deep Red has like kind of like an old-fashioned feel. Like there's a big cobblestone mm-hmm. uh, area in Deep Red, which is like show a lot. But this one feels kind of futuristic. The architecture is a little... Yeah. Zany and crazy. Yeah, I actually, I love the setting of this one. Um, so it's very just like modern European architecture, which is gorgeous. There's a lot of white, which is very beautiful, especially when there's murders happening mm-hmm. and there's just blood everywhere. It just, the contrast is just beautiful. Yeah, like how the designs are, like, you, Hitchcock's a good choice uh, to compare because Hitchcock's very good at angles and just, like, structure. He really plays the scenery into his favor, same way with Kubrick. He'll, he'll play the scenery. Kubrick's a little bit too, like, meticulous with it. Uh, has to be everything centered and everything like that. Dario Argento, I feel like cinematography, this is one of his better movies. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. Argento did say that it's kind of his science fiction film because it's set five to six years after an apocalyptic event where there are fewer people. All the buildings have been rebuilt. That's why everything's crisp and new and modern looking. And he kind of compared it to Blade Runner where he said it was, you know, his science fiction take on that. Which I can see happening. I mean, you don't see a lot of people in the streets, which that happens when you're filming a movie. They don't really let people on the, the set. But I just thought that was, like, really interesting because a lot of his other films are very in that period, like Suspiria or Deep Red. It's just, like, that's the setting. That's when it took place. And the fact that he kind of threw his own take on this and in his eyes a reason why there weren't so many people in the shots and that all the buildings looked the way that they did, I thought was really cool. Yeah, especially, like, everyone has, like, a nice house. Nice yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, well, like, yeah. like, Elsa, like, uh, the shoplifter. Yeah. Uh, she has this amazing apartment, but she has to steal a book. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, why? Well, I think What's your job? More, she wanted to be a bad girl. She probably has the money to buy that book, but she was playing with the idea of getting a high from shoplifting yeah. and, and stuff like that. Also, it had that shot where it looks like someone's spying on her, which, of course, ends up being, like, the mall cop that catches her. Very, very handsy mall cop. And very stupid because she's just like, yeah, let's go on a date. 
and then just leaves. <laughs> he doesn't get her number. And that is a plot hole. That's just a plot thread and never anything. tied up. So speaking of the prowling camera work, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the cinematography in the movie. I know that you are a filmmaker yourself. So I wanted to know amateur. what amateur filmmaker. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to know what you thought about some of the shots in the film. Like, I love that full building panning shot that they do, like, kind of in the, like, first act, right? Before, before uh, the double murder. Yeah, before the, um, the lesbian couple die. Thank you for bringing that up. That is one, if we're talking about cinematography, that is a crowning achievement for Dario Argento's entire cinematography. He didn't actually do it, but his entire filmography. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best things. People think it's a little unnecessary, but I think it is no. kind of it's 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 necessary because the whole movie you're seeing is like prowler kind of stalker kind of camera POV. It's a little shaky, you know. It's kind of like it follows like a, po- a person's POV would be, but it starts from the outside of the apartment, but then it starts going up. So you're thinking. Is he climbing? What's going yeah. on? And it looks otherworldly. And like, what is going on? It adds some flair. It's like something <laughs> different. Like, it's very flamboyant with a lot of other aspects of the movie as far as the apartments are extravagant. The acting, of course, is outlandish. The murders are insane. He needs to have that crazy, thought-provoking shot. Yeah, and I, it's so it's Her it's name great. is, uh, the, the character's name is Tilda, the, the one at... Not like confronts Peter Neal, but yeah, she confronts Peter Neal. Right. Um, but like it's the tracking shot of like the whole building. You know, like this is kind of stupid. It's not stupid. It's cool. Like, why are they doing this? But it's also kind of giving you the layout of the, the entire apartment, so you know, oh, this person's upstairs or something. Like that. But also shows the score, which is yes, that score is one of Galpin's best. Yeah, they, I I believe they use a Luna crane. They use a crane that probably costs a pretty penny. Mm-hmm. But like it's it's I think for all the things he does in this entire movie. That one little apartment scene, it puts so much work into that little thing. It's it's his, um, John Carpenter's Halloween opening scene with the, tra- the long tracking shot. Yes. That, I mean, it's been debunked. They cheated on that mm-hmm. Halloween shot. But this was great. Other great cinematography. I really love what they do with, I like the killer. When we get intimate moments with the killer, like, they go back to a deep breath thing. They do, like, close-ups on things. Random items, just, like, close-ups. Like, when he has, like, one of your favorite things is the light bulb. Yes, when he murders the light bulb. He uh, murders that's... the light bulb, and also does it again to a random light bulb where he blocks the light a little bit with the blade. Yeah. The decisions on everything, like, like when it's dealing with nothing that has to do with the killer, it deals with Peter Neal, talking to the detective, whatever. It's very kind of just plain. It's plain Jane medium shots. Right. Uh, plain Jane just, like, two shots, stuff like that. But when he does, like, the killer, it's got a different vibe, a different animal. Like, the good one is um, in Bertie's apartment when the girl is in there. The the girl that the kicked teenage, the dog. The teenager, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that whole, using the architecture, like, there's a cool, like, angle shot they do. And it's like, yeah, it's really good. It is really good. It's really good. It's really good. I mean, and it, but it's also classic Argento. You get a lot of... Again, the prowling shots where it's like POV or is it POV? And then you get opening doors, closing curtains, a lot of like quick cuts between rooms and people entering rooms. And yeah, it's just, and there's like just a, like he has when, such a vision. Like one of the best shots is when um, Bulmer is waiting and this is before he gets shot. It's shot, stabbed. And you have that, that great like shot of that woman walking. She's dead center crying, but everything else is going around behind. Yeah. It's a really good shot. Yeah. A lot of, it's one of his better um, cinematography kind of movies. Like, it's not as crazy in the lighting, which I like. As I say, it's a little more grounded than Suspiria. Suspiria feels more sci-fi. Like he says he wants this to be a sci-fi movie, but Suspiria and Inferno feel more sci-fi than this movie. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, they're dealing with it's not supernatural either. Right, they're dealing with but supernatural But also the lighting beings. isn't as glaring, but the colors still pop. Yes. Like on clothing, the pinks pop, everything pops, but it's not like overbearing. Right. It's not too much. And being a huge fan of slasher films, I've seen every different type of fake blood that you could possibly see. And I just know that he's going to be using that thick, mm. reddish-orange, fake blood but I don't even care like I don't even notice it I'm just so accustomed to his work that I just know I just know it and I love it yeah and yes they're just shots where pretty much all the females are wearing white and then they of course get their throat slit and then yeah. there's just blood everywhere and the cinematography what makes it great is also the set design along with it we were talking about the architecture it looks great and there's even parts where like 
spoiler, near the end, with that big spike art. The art piece, yes. Yeah, the art piece that's just there. And you think it's just background, but it's actually a big pivotal part of the plot. There's a great scene when um, Peter Neal, spoiler, when he kills that girl, the, the lady detective, forget her name. She he goes down. Right? Not Anne. Not Anne. <laughs> he goes down to check on her, but it's like kind of like this like this like kind of like mini wall. I yeah, guess, it's like the half door. wall. Mm-hmm. Half wall, and it's great when you pan up and that's the reveal of the detective. It's they use yeah. the architecture. They use the layout of it, the blocking. Everything really ties into this. Like it really works. Argento really takes advantage of it. I agree. Well, he's not using lighting as much. At, you know, lighting and weird stuff, weird shit, weird stuff. Well, and I, th- I think that also has to do with it not being a supernatural film. And he's also, he's got a little more experience in his belt. And a little bit more money in his pocket, so. Mm-hmm. That makes a big difference, too. Yeah, very cool. The music is amazing. You mentioned that shot with the couple. Yes. Um, right before they're murdered, Tilda puts on a record in her bedroom, and it's Goblin. It's the score it's the of main, the film. It's the main score, yeah. Right being played in reality in the film, but it's also the soundtrack it's that... Been, it's been done. It's been done. Like, Tarantino does it and, oh, and yes. stuff. You know, he he's very famous for doing that. But I just love that. It's Empire just... Empire Records? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. do it. I thought that was really cool. Um, so what did you think about the score? It's Goblin. <laughs> they, they're quintessential. There's a reason why they're quintessential. Um... It's not like Suspiria is a little more spookier. Uh, Inferno, I, I love Inferno, but also I, I feel like this one's a little more not modern, but I feel like it doesn't feel otherworldly. It feels very kind of funky. It feels like Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. Like it feels like that. Yeah, those scores would well, be. Obviously, Goblin helped with Dawn of the Dead. Right. But I'm just saying, like, um,. It, that's what I mean, like, it just has that kind of, like, 80s modern kind of feel to it. I do think that listening to, like, the Dawn of the Dead soundtrack and the soundtrack together would be, like, a great, and like, while, afternoon. And, and <laughs> comparing to Suspiria, I think Suspiria, I love Suspiria, right? We bond on Suspiria, right? Yes. Um, I think they overuse the theme too much. Oh, I agree. But in Tenebrae, they use it, I think, at the beginning... They use it at that scene, the tracking shot, and then they use it at the end. They don't use it often. They use it sparingly, and I think it makes the song better because they don't use it a lot. Inferno does it, too. Inferno only does it till the end. The main Inferno thing, it only happens at the end when things are blowing up and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I, so, do, I do like that about, I, about the I don't score. really want to delve into the score because it's Goblin, Argento. It's a combo. It's always going to work. Yeah. So. I agree. Well, now we can talk about the kills. So I've watched this a few times, so I know that there are 12 kills overall. It's not exactly split even between the two killers. Spoiler alert, there are two killers. Um, But the movie itself is split pretty much exactly in half. Um, The first half belongs to the murders of Cristiano Berti, who is the person that's sort of obsessed with Peter Nail's character. And then the second half of the murders and half of the film is actually Peter Neal himself. Um, and they kind of, the two halves mirror each other, where Bertie's kills are more subtle. They're with a razor blade, and Peter's kills are a little bit more abrasive with the axe. Yeah, his, um, uh, Bertie's is more meticulous. Has, like, a... Um like Dexter right now talking about because he's talking about blood splatter but he's very kind of neat with it yeah you're right like he seems like he's at peace when he does these things mm-hmm. like he it's calming for him but with Peter Neal like you said it's abrasive like it's more rage and more dirty yeah. and just not not clean it's just yeah. very emotional I think Peter's are more rage filled where birdies are more sexualized so his murders are Bertie's murders are more females it's the lesbian couple the first kill is a female her mouth gets stuffed with the pages of Peter Neal's book great which is like really cool and then her throat is slit with a razor blade all because she didn't give that homeless person money (laughs) all because all because that homeless person that's the reason that's the reason 
to give homeless people money, I guess. He's like, can I squeegee your car? No, no, no. She was flaky anyway. She She's had to a die. Thief. She had to die. Then the second kill from Birdie, again, a female. And this is when we get into the sexualized bit. She's changing her clothes. She's a lesbian. She lives with her, her girlfriends. She's also... You're talking about the the the, um, the critic of yes. Peter Neal. Yeah. Yes. Tilda. 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 Yeah. I'm sorry. Tilda. Yeah. She's um, and it's a great like she's putting a shirt on and it's like the iconic like ripping the shirt. Yep. So good. Yeah, and then immediately afterwards, her girlfriend, who's again she's nude. Yes. She, she's she's the not. Both of them are actually feel like a real couple. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, obviously, Tilda's like the introvert. She's like kind of like, you know, to herself. She's the one that takes the tea and like sucks it up. But this person, like uh, her girlfriend, forget her name. But she's like more like, I'm, gonna have, I'm not going to have tea. I'm going to have a beer. She's outgoing. She's an extrovert. Look at my boobs. Yeah. Kind of like that. So, yeah. 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 So I Bert, just want to say I appreciated that little tidbit. That's all. Her tits? Her tits. Her their tidbit. Got it. Like the little dynamic between the two. You only get it much because she's only like two scenes together. Yeah, but it's the very t- beginning very nice. of the film. Um, yeah, so the couple is murdered by Birdie, and he leaves a note based on Peter's novel, and it says "Sick Transit Gloria Lesby," which is translated to "So passes the glory of Lesbos." So again, with like the sexuality, the bet he thinks sexuality is bad. Yeah. Are we also are we gonna are we gonna glance over the uh, the the uh, iconic scenery of um, the the naked girl's death? That's the Tenebrae cover. Yes, yeah, like the Tenebrae cover, like her throat slit, and it's like she's like laying back, which is kind of like very similar to Suspiria with a neck uh, hanging. All, they all involve glass. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so that image there is has an interesting story behind it with the poster or the cover was banned in, I think it might have been the UK. They added where you see the throat slit and there's blood dripping down her throat. In the UK, they added ribbon, a red ribbon around her throat. Yeah. Which I think is still kind of a cool cover. Uh, so the next death is actually, it's the girl, the teenage girl that kicks the dog, which... I hate that scene because don't ever kick a dog. And she gets an axe to the stomach. Okay. So that is Peter Neal's death. First death. First kill. First kill. Yeah. The next kill, axe to the head. This is when there's the old switcheroo where everyone in the film, as far as all the characters and I'm guessing the audience as well, think, oh, this is the same person doing all the murders. It's Cristiano Birdie. Yeah. You, they go to Cristiano's house. Peter Neal goes there. And all of a sudden, the killer is there as well as Cristiano. Cristiano gets an axe to the head. And Peter Neal's um, handler. Handler? Uh, Anne? No, not, no, not Anne. Johnny. Oh, yes. Yeah, Johnny sees it. Yes. Back to the glass, because there's another thing with the glass that happens. Um... Um, but yeah, Birdie, I love that axe. That axe shot is so good. It is really good. It's one of the best effects of that movie. Like, it just looks, it looks so real. Um, but yeah, like, it kind of does, like, the little switcheroo, like, it, it's like handing the baton to the mm-hmm. next runner. Right. Um, and that's when the movie takes a switch, because I'm not sure, I've seen it a few times, so I can't really remember what I thought of during my first viewing, but that's when you know, while Cristiano is dead, there's a second killer, and then... It's like... It's just... It's like... Pass Christi- the baton, it's part, and The it's best just- part is, like, it's Cristiano. He's obviously, um, inspired by Peter Neal's writing, but because of the kills, it inspires Peter Neal mm-hmm. to do all this, so he can kind of put it on, on Bertie, or the, that killer or whatever, um, to do his, like, to get rid of, like, all the people he doesn't like... Right. It's kind of like, it's like Peter Neal inspired this guy, but this guy's killing inspired Peter Neal. It's like a weird circle thing going on there. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so then the next kill is in public. A stabbing in public. R.I.P. John Saxon. 
There you go. R.I.P. See you next fall. See you in Nightmare on Elm Street. Right? In Nightmare like, on Elm Street. Don't believe your daughter. Um, but yeah, like he gets stabbed. It's pretty bad because you don't really care about Balmer that much. But like, it's one of those like, it's pretty sad. You know, because he didn't really ask for it. He didn't do anything, really. He just kind of, like, wanted to meet his... Well, I guess he was cheating on... He was, like, the other man. But then again, Peter Neal didn't really care about his fiance. You know what I mean? Like, no. it was kind of like... It was a weird relationship, but, like, you kind of, like, felt bad for him because he just seemed like he was a decent guy, I guess. Three. Here's a weird... This just came up to me. I don't understand. You know when they're doing the whole like when they reveal the killer and he's doing like this, he like do like that sh- that sh- the shot of the shadow against the wall and he's like working out and he has the vision of the the woman mm-hmm. on the beach. On the beach. Was that hunt? So the woman on the beach. It's a flashback. Yeah, but who's flashback? It's um, Peters. Peters, but it, so so the person that's like the, the black glove killer, that's Birdie, right? Why is he having the flashbacks? See, that's where it gets kind of into a gray area for me. Yeah. Where all of these years, I have thought there's two killers in my head. But after watching it this most recent time, I think, was Birdie a killer? Did he actually do those murders? Or was he saying in distress? Right. Like, I I did, I'm sorry, don't hurt me. Um, But that leads into an idea I have that we'll talk about later in the the themes that I have a theory on Peter Neal. Um, we'll get into that, because I know we're going to lead into a certain discussion about things like that. But that leads into that theory. That it, it was all Peter Neal the entire time. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Um, so the this next kill... Oh, my gosh. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's so good. It's the axed arm kill. It's the bloodiest one in the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. So bloody. So good. It's Peter Neal's fiance. Or wife. We don't know. Or ex-wife. We don't know. They never really delve into it. She just kind of shows up. Yes. Yeah. It's his fiance. It's his I love girl. How, I it's love his girl. how they show her. She's always wearing light, col- light, light, light colors. Or I mean, most, yeah, most of the women in the movie are wearing but white. But she's wearing specifically but just I love for her clothes. Yeah. No, her clothes are so good. Uh, she looks just, she looks just like the actress that plays Alice on Luther. <laughs> you cannot, I cannot see it anymore. I, I cannot see it. Like once I've seen Luther, now whenever I see Tenebrae, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's Alice. But her clothes are amazing. Yes. Love her clothes. But that shot, the blood splatter on the wall. Oh my gosh. Oh, so good. I thought that was like the last shot of the entire shoot. And they're like, we have all this excess blood. Let's yeah. just feel it everywhere. Yeah. So, so good. So the arm axing happens, and immediately after, there's a little bit of a switcheroo. Right after that murder, I think since that was Peter's murder, it triggers something in his head of what I believe is his first murder. It goes to a flashback. Someone walks up to her, stabs her, kills her. She falls on the ground. There's a close-up with her red shoes, which is a very iconic image from this movie. So I think killing his fiance triggered him killing his first kill. Yeah. I think he that's the person he's closest to in the film. So I think it triggers his first kill, his first memory. And also the character of um, Jane, yeah, like it mimics that that's the fiance's, right? Um, it mimics yeah. the woman that begins. It's, it's a literal red herring. Like, um, you know. They're both wearing the red shoes. <laughs> yes. They're both. The red blood, really t- like, and also it's like this weird scene with the flashback, the original flashback mm-hmm. with the girl, where there's the At the beach, the three men surrounding mm-hmm. her, and you're like, oh no, I've seen mm-hmm. enough movies to where no this goes. And then this one guy is messing with her or tries to, you know, which talk. I think that's Peter. It's yeah, it's Peter. I, I'm thinking that's what it is. And then so it's a rage killing. He kills yeah. her in rage because she had him Another, attacked. It was, it was nice yeah. to see the other guys hold him down. Yeah. And then yeah. she basically but had then the red shoes. And, and then the red shoes, like she's like, he's crawling. That the great shot on the beach when he's like, you see his legs, he's crawling. Mm-hmm. And you see her fucking, her um, heels just yeah. walking on the beach. Yeah. It's probably hard to do. Yeah, definitely a rage killing. She embarrassed him when he was younger. Yeah. He murdered her. Yeah. But it's a super quick flashback scene, and then it cuts to 
the house where the fiance is on the ground, bloody, the detective, female detective. There are so many characters in this movie that like we didn't even talk about this female detective yet. Yeah. But I don't even know her name. <laughs> it's not Anne, I know that. I don't know the male detective's um, name. I think it's her with a J. I wanna i it's there are a lot of characters. They've really they probably say their names once, if at all, yeah. in the beginning of the film, and then I'm just like, Except oh, Johnny. I just know who it is. Johnny. Right. So it cuts to the home where the arm just was axed off. A female detective had spoken to the fiance earlier in that night. She seemed distressed, so the detective shows up. As soon as she walks into the door, she gets axed in the back shoulder. Oh, she gets like probably that whole that whole artery and messed up. This is when it's revealed. Up till this point, you don't know. That it is Peter Neal doing the killings. This he's is in the, the point he's in, where he's in Italy. It, it pan. Yes, there you go. Where you okay? Our main character guy just flew in the third act. Yeah, yeah. At that just point, left. You gotta slap yourself in the face. Like you gotta know now. It's it's gotta be him. Yeah, you have to know because why would this character just leave? <laughs> yeah. Quote unquote. Yeah. Leave? So Peter thinks that it's Anne who he who's his agent friend lover he, lover he kind of had a relationship with her and he just she's very protective he's very of him. he's quickly struck with regret he thinks it's Anne. he gets on the ground to console who he thinks Anne, and then the detective and the real Anne walk into the door and the detective man he can never guess the ending he never guessed the killer he's not a very good detective yeah he can never guess the killer and it's like oh i guess you didn't couldn't guess this one yeah, and then yeah. I think he's there. He's there to mirror Peter Neal's character. Yeah. Because he's always him and the two characters that have the most scenes together are probably Anne and Peter and the detective and Peter. Yeah. Peter, he's a killer. He's obviously he's the bad guy. The detective is the good guy. And Anne's kind of like it's kind of the opposite of the fiance character where she's a little bit more grounded, a little bit more wise and mature. And she also does everything she's for there Peter. For P- she's there for One Peter. One of the great shots is when he reads that note for the first time, the ransom note. Mm-hmm. Um, not a ransom note, more of like, kind of like, I'm going to get you kind of note. And then you see her get up immediately and stand next to him. Like, the protectives. So that's why I'm thinking like there was some sort of like, she has feelings for Peter. Mm-hmm. But Peter is just a little, I think he's a little too yeah, weird. Yeah, and then where his fiance is just not anywhere to be found. That that whole relationship, I don't get. Me either. If there's so any flaw in this us, movie, it, it's that This brings character. me to the next death. Peter, he admits it was an accident. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to kill her. And then he slits his own throat. That was a and great dies. shot. He dies. The, 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 kind of, the camera kind of moves a little close into him. And he's like, ah! Like, it's so good. Very dramatic. I don't know why it was so dramatic. I wonder. The detective and Anne walk back outside. And it's raining, by the way. Point out, Daryl Gender really knows how... I was going to say, yeah. He really knows how he to use rain. He loves the rain. Suspiria, the rain looks like it's insane. It's good rain. And this one was insane rain as good well. Good rain. The detective goes back inside. I don't really... You know, he's just a detective. It's what he does. He's, he got, goes he's back, got that hunch. He's got a hunch. That, that feeling is good. He goes back inside. Surprise, bitch. Peter Neal is not, not dead. Yes. Not fucking dead. And there's one shot, like, <gasps> yes. like when he grabs the blade and it shoots the blood. I feel like it's like... Oh, my God. Yeah. This shot where they're oh. in, in front of one another... The detectives in front of him. Yeah. Oh, love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's like epic we'll delve, reflection imagery. We're gonna delve into Amazing. that. We'll bring that one back up when we talk about themes. Yeah, yeah, I think with this film, a lot of like the reflection imagery, a lot of it's towards the end when it come when it comes to the characters. Throughout the rest of the, the movie, it's more of like the setting and yeah. different objects. But yes, that is epic. I love that shot so much. Yes. And then, needless to say, the detective gets it. Yeah. He dies. No one cares about the detective. Sorry. The, yeah, he's not a very good character. Whatever. He's... Whatever. So then, ha ha ha, Peter Neal gets away with it. Yeah. Except, Anne gets a little bored in the car and she goes inside. Spooks him? Yeah, she, opens the door and she spooks mu- him? She mutters him. 
she spooks him. He backs up into this crazy spike art piece. No, hold on. No. Didn't, like, she open the door and the door pushed it on him? Right. She yeah. opens the door and it startles him. He backs up. He gets impaled. He impales himself. And just... And into just the art piece, crazy. which has been there the entire time. It was in the apartment the yeah. entire time. It's such, it's such a great set design. It's just like, oh, it's just part of it. It's just a weird European yeah. art piece. It's Rome. Amazing. So, yes, he gets impaled with the sculpture. And it ends with just screaming. And it ends... She's a very... She has a very good scream and a very good scream face. Yeah. Poor her, um, though. She felt like a, such a strong character, but near the end, she was kind of a whimpering kind of character. I think you didn't get to spend enough time with really any characters to determine if they were like a strong or a weak character, but... Well, she said like she did everything for him. I kind of assumed that she was the strong one in the, in the... Either friend or professional relationship, she seemed like she was the strong one of the two. Even, though, even though he did work out and ride his bike in the middle of the highway. I felt the opposite way because I felt like she was like waiting on hand and foot and she was like a sad puppy dog. Huh, yeah. But... Whatever. It's a uh, slasher. Like, who yeah. cares? And yeah. she lived. She lived. It's interesting because we didn't... She, she, was, she was never anyone that was in danger. Right, you know, because like, she was close to Peter like, Neal. You talk about Scream, like, you know, Sydney was like, there's a big chase from the Ghostface killer. Um, there's, you know, Laurie Strode famously running and hiding in the closet. There's no scenes of that. I, that's what I like. Yeah. It, they're short. They're very but, short. But, but not with Anne, who's the final girl. No, I mean, she doesn't, she's never in peril. Because she kills him by accident. She's never in peril because she's Peter Neal's girl, like yeah. his buddy. So, 12 kills. That's actually. It's pretty good. So, the runtime for this movie is 101 minutes. That means that there was a kill every 8.41. Minutes. You did the math. I did the math. That's crazy. I'm I'm really gonna keep track when I watch films how many murders there are and what at the runtime. What is, is the murder rate? What's the murder rate? Murder I need rate to is this shallow. I need to know. Um. Yeah. Some. I mean, these kills are like iconic. Like when I think of these kills, more than half of them to me are just iconic. I mean, when the female is stabbed um, in the flashback. Shoes, iconic. Yeah. You know, the cha- the nude lesbian in the beginning, Marianne. iconic. Marion. Her name was Marion. Look at my notes. Her name was Marion. The, like, uh, so the, cool. um, the shirt. When the shirt tears when she gets stabbed, the, mm-hmm. the, um, keep forgetting her name. Tilda. Tilda. That's iconic. <laughs> Tilda, iconic, but I will never remember your name. <laughs> but that imagery, yes, it's iconic with looking through the hole. It's yeah. so quick, but like just that screen grab of it. Gorgeous. Love it. The kills are so freaking good. Love it. That's a lot of doubles there. 12 kills, six doubles. Yeah. Peter Neal and the detective, that's a double. This is And the, the female detective, that's a double. Yeah. And, and, and also the fiance, opposites of each other, but their reflections. But there's also their doubles. There's a couple doubles. I want to I want to delve into this note I made of doubles. Like there's shots that make it seem doubles. Like Detective and Anne are similar when they're standing next to each other. When they introduce them, they're all in the room. That's what I say. The weird. There's four of them. The weird medium two shot where there's mm-hmm. there's even to a point where they look. At the same direction. They look in the same direction at the same time. Little things. I don't think it's yeah. on purpose. But the bar scene alone has doubles. Three counts of doubles. You have Tilda and Marianne. They're wearing blues and greens. They're not... Not ones wearing red or white, but they're wearing similar cool colors. Um, then you get the arcade players who are similar in height. They're playing on the arcade... Station machines. I almost said stations. The arcade stations, uh, and then the two women come out wearing both black, flirting with the two, um, the two of them. So, and then you have a glass. There's a lot of glass that goes in. There's a lot of reflection. Mirror reflection. Mirror. And yeah. it makes me think: Is Peter Neal bipolar? Right. I get. I totally get that. Because so, it makes you think: Is Bertie the killer? Because one side of him, one personality, might be like, 
I do it meticulously with the razor blade. And then the other one's more rage and anger. So that's what I'm thinking. Is he bipolar? I I definitely had that thought, especially this last watch that we did. So in films, there are not just physical doubles as far as like, oh, it's an evil twin or this person looks just like this person. There's also reflection doubles, transformation doubles, which is more of like the bipolar um, aspects that especially you're when at. he's curled up and the detectives caught him and he's curled up and he's like crying a little bit but then he starts laughing very like when he hits not Anne the detective mm-hmm. he has kind of like what did I do yeah. like does he know that he kills people at times right there's and then there's also that which is like a narrative double which is kind of like um, Frankenstein and the monster or like um just different... Cain and Abel. Yeah, definitely. Um, Hercules Jack, and Samson. Jekyll like, and Hyde, you know. Yeah. So that's... I I see that, and I'm right there with you. And this last watch was just... In my head, I was thinking, Bertie could have just not been a killer. He could have just been, like, some obsessive weirdo. Like, there was a time where Johnny is, like, kind of talking about... Like, he re- remembers some things, which I forget why he forgets a lot of it, but... <clears throat> he's young, traumatized, Yeah, I he's think. traumatized, but, like, when he's telling Peter Neal, it kind of seems like when you look back, when you know the twist, Peter Neal's, like, kind of, like, making sure, like, does Johnny know, does Johnny know? But there's also kind of, like, he's interested, because he doesn't even know. Like, mm-hmm. it, it makes you think. It's a theory that he has bipolar disorder, and he's actually the killer of both, not Roberti. Yeah. And also, you don't know, because Johnny, that could be an unreliable narrator. He's remembering, maybe he's remembering it differently. Maybe Bertie did not say that. Maybe he's just imagining it in his head. I mean, if we watch it in the subtitles, on the subtitles, they straight up do the line yeah. when it happens. But he might have just been hearing that, you know? But then yeah. there's also a weird thing, like, like, the killer's lair is in Bertie's house. But we're never given concrete evidence that it is. Right, it's just the f- the photographs. And it's also, like, kind of like they... Of how the editing is. Like, they go back and forth, like, you think yeah. it's in the same house. I mean, I think... And there's that weird scene with the, the teenage girl with him. Yeah, so with the teenage girl, when she finds the photographs, I feel like if that, like, two-minute scene was cut out of this film, you could seriously just say, Bertie was just obsessed, he wasn't a killer... Peter Neal was the killer the entire time. But I, I think since they've added the photographs that is saying, that's basically them saying, like, yes, he killed the girls and he took the photographs. Or him and Peter Neal could have been in cahoots. They could have been double murdering. Or Peter could have been doing the murders. Bertie just came and took the photographs. Yeah. I don't know. And, but and of course, the doubles that scene we were just talking about, about uh, the detective Germanti? Yeah. Germani? Germani? Germani, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, like the whole like you know shadowing each other. Like, yeah, it's every so... major character has at least one double in this in this movie, which Ballmer? is so cool. Well, the men kind of look very similar. The men, yeah, yeah, and their nature is very. They're all kind of yeah. They're all white males, but they all have different professions and they all wear suits and stuff like that. <laughs> they all look different a little bit. Yeah, and throughout the movie, there are a lot of shots where the architecture is mirroring each other. Um, the homeless men marry each other. There's furniture in the rooms that are on completely opposite sides, but they're mirrored. Yeah, I just think that a lot. There are so many like objects, locations, things and that it's happen. About duality, like a little bit of duality to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, yeah, even though it's called tenebrae, which means and I think black, that right. Uh, it's Latin for darkness. Latin for darkness. There's no light there. Well, I I think the when... The darkness in a man, pretty much. There's... It's really subtle cinematography when Bertie's killed and it switches from, oh, he's the killer, to now it's Peter Neal. That's when he's kind of taking the reins. There, There's a shot where it's kind of light to dark there. Yeah. Which is really, really cool to me. Just overall, the entire film just has a lot of themes of... Bad sexuality, voyeurism, doubles, 
it's just subtle. Little, I think it's a little, a little, little criticism there, like, you know, with mass, you know, you're sexist and stuff like that. Yeah. And Peter Neal again, like, attacked a, by a woman. It's and, an and internal flashback. reflection. Yeah. Uh, Argento is reflecting upon himself, putting himself into his work. And I just, I love that. Yeah. It's really cool. Also, you know, it's interesting because, you know, the audience probably thought when they, in 1982, they're probably like, oh, it's going to be the, the final movie of the Three uh, Mothers trilogy, you know. Mm-hmm. Nope. I bet, I, I want to know how it was critically because I believe Inferno was before this. So, like, you walk in to this movie and you're like, what am I getting into? And it turns out to be one of his better movies. When it was, it didn't do really well when it was released because it wasn't part of the trilogy. Yeah, I love talking about this movie. I think there are so many just underlying themes, and it's like really interesting to get someone else's viewpoint. I did want to do something on the podcast with every episode where we discuss flavor of the month, a pairing that would go well with the film that we're discussing. Like wine and cheese. A book, music, another film, a think piece. did a few picks of what I thought would go well with the theme of doubles. Some of them are pretty literal, and some of them are not so literal. Um, I'd say, you know, anything David Lynch, really. Just anything, like, like Mulholland Drive. That one just totally flips. That one's a similar movie to Tenebrae, where it flips the script in the middle of the movie. You're like, What? That's a great one. I think that that film is amazing. Uh, I think Lost Highway would also be another Ooh. good one. You could do a triple feature. <laughs> David Ar- David David Arquette David Lynch really likes kind of playing like the the, the mirror image a little mm-hmm. bit. So some of mine are quite literally doubles. There is a French giallo that came out last year called Knife Plus Heart. Oh, yes. I remember that one. Set in Paris, and it's about a producer of gay porn. I don't really want to give away a lot of the plot and the reasons why I will put this in the doubles category. So, Knife Plus Heart, it's streaming now on Shudder, which everyone should get. It's $5 a month. We're um, not sponsored. We're not sponsored by Shudder, but I wish I, that we were. Give us the money. Give us the $5 Show me the money. Month, I guess. Jerry McGuire? Jer- no. <laughs> um, and it's also available on Amazon, I think, for like $2 to rent. Um, but Knife Plus Heart from 2018, I think if you're going for a Jalo-themed night, this would make a great double feature. Maybe watch Knife Plus Heart first. I feel like it's a little slower than Tanabray. And then the next two that I had, Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Ooh. Um, not only is that a bit similar as far as the examination of sexual obsession, kind of how Tanabray, it's the examination of like bad sexuality, there's also that doubles theme. And I, again, if you haven't seen Vertigo, I would say definitely watch that one. For one, it's like a classic and you should see it. But I think that would make a really good double feature with Tenebrae. Yeah. Um, and then my last flavor of the month is 1981 Possession. Ooh. Sa- same with Night Plus Heart. I kind of don't really want to give away the themes of the doubles. Just say Possession. It's all I need to say. Yeah, Possession, Let's go see it. again, like Vertigo, you have to see that one. That is, it's one of the weirdest movies I have ever seen, but I am obsessed with it, and Sam Neill is in it, and he's just, like, the best. Like he, you know what really makes me mad? Sam Neill and Peter Neill, there you go. Yeah, they're doubles. really mad about these kind of, like, pick something. Like, I'm just like, now they're all coming to me, like Persona, Ingmar Bergman's a good one. Yeah. We did an episode on Criterion Connection on YouTube. Oh, yeah, we can plug that in we'll a plug, We'll plug that later. Features. I was going to make my final. All right, he's got a final, final one. Final three. Final, final three. three. You just did three, so I'm going to say three. Okay. So, Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. David Lynch. Go see it. Great. There's also another Criterion Connection episode. We did that. Sisters by Brian De Palma. Mm-hmm. Excellent film. That's definitely on theme with doubles. And you know what? I'm going to go with a totally different one. And we're going to do Parent a- Trap. No. Um... <laughs> Is a Tales from the Crypt episode called My Brother's Keeper. It involves two t- conjoined twins. One is a very good hearted person, now one's a real piece of shit. And they're, you know, this whole idea that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna get separated and stuff like that. So I don't think I've seen that one. It's on season two or three. I don't know. Cool. I'll well, pop, I'll, I'll pop have to in. watch that. I'll pop it in. Yeah, we'll have to watch that after yeah. this. Well, it was great talking with you about this film. Please have me back, please. 
I might have you back. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug? Where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Mick, uh, sorry. I'm so close to Minkadish Podcast. That <laughs> Mick, uh, I'll talk about that later, but um, uh, Frankenswade at Frankenswade. It's like Frankenstein, but suede, like blue suede shoes. You have a band called Meteor King. There you go. Check that out. Just find us. We're everywhere. Spotify. Like Facebook and yeah. Spot Bandcamp and stuff. Instagram, Spotify. Cool. You know. Um, you have Minkadish Productions. We do Minkadish Podcast every Tuesday on, on Podbean, iTunes, um, and Apple and um, Stitcher. And uh, you know, we do Criteria Connection, which is on YouTube. YouTube dot com slash Minkadish Productions. Um, we do Criteria Connection, basically review Criteria movies, B movie damage, B movies. We do all kinds of stuff on Minkadish. You've been on Minkadish podcast before. I have. You'll be in the future. Um, we're definitely gonna cross promote, of course. Of course. And that's all I really have. I don't really do anything. I do. A, I yeah. have a comic as well called um, Black Raven. Also, my shorts are on the YouTube.com slash Minkadish Productions. Right, all of your short films. I do a lot of things. Yeah, I'll plug. I, I I'll definitely make... plug all your stuff and put links um, in the make... description of this episode. That way, people can find you. Awesome. Well, as far as the Giallo of the Month Club, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Giallo Club. You can also find myself, Diana, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Diana NK. And I will link to both mine and Wade's accounts um, in the description of this episode. If you have any suggestions for next month, if you have any themes that you want to discuss, just let me know on Twitter or Instagram. I'm really interested in what people think about this episode. It is a little rough being the first episode and my first episode of a podcast on my own. Tell her how good she was. (laughs) Also, uh, if there's any themes that we missed... Well, yeah. Like the, the, if, it, if there's something we missed on this podcast, we only recorded for like an hour. So it's like we might have missed something. I'm always available to chat, and I love talking about movies. That's why I'm here. The show's not just us two. It's also you guys. Interact. Let us know. Definitely. Please let me know what you think. Until next time, this is Giallo Month Club. I'm Diana. And I am Wayne. Bye-bye. <laughs>